0: so yeah the eldritch horror as like um both an expression of the oppressed and an expression by the oppressors cuz
1: obviously like hp lovecraft is it's uh you know a, a racist huge piece of shit not only a racist turns out he's uh, kind of a fascist
0: oh yeah yeah sure those usually go hand in hand
1: unsurprisingly but you know, obviously white supremacist but he got he got weirdly associated i was watching a video by uh chill goblin i think it was actually I Goblin. yeah Yeah. on specifically H.P. lovecraft and some of the stuff that he got super deep into and it seems like he sort of fell down a weird pipeline where he was on the side of communists to some degree but more in a fascist approach to it which is and a lot of them.
0: and assuredly a racist way it's like we need communism to impose racism basically pretty much ethno-communism which is like that's nazis though that's national socialists right like yeah because that's like you know like oh nazis are socialist it's like no they when you're a nazi yeah okay maybe you're a kind of socialist in the sense that we're going to do social programs for aryans and we're going to fund those social programs by immiserating everybody else that's the problem there. You can't do that. A real socialism, that's why it's not real socialism, real socialism is for everybody. It's social. It's for the people. Nazis only think of Aryans
1: as people. Well, not only that, Nazis also like are huge fans of co-opting the, the descriptors of the left, the mm-hmm. language of the left, in order to like invert it, to use it to attract people who are aware of the social problems in their society and think some of the ideas of socialism or left-leaning topics are good but they're afraid to like dive super deep into the ideas and then here you go have some nazis going yeah no we're totally socialist just come join us we're gonna fix everything well yeah well
0: it's also just like um talking about like the global elites and like the jewish thing right like that's a misdirection uh, against criticisms of actual billionaire elites but like it's also like it's to, to co-opt people's feelings around that in a language around that you're getting there first you're licking the donut first before <laughs> they can touch it kind of thing you don't have a substantive actual thing there there is no actual Jewish conspiracy in banking it's just rich bankers and billionaires like it's money it's capitalism that's the thing they're like no 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 no. capitalism's good except for jews in capitalism for some reason yeah and like that's like they they, they get to at first they lick the donut first and then
1: they do evil yeah i mean i think like it's often interesting to me like i, I did a little bit of uh, jewish studies in in high school funnily enough because i thought it was a really interesting topic and i wanted to like explore different religions and, and what have you. And it's like so much of their culture seems to be reactive to the fact that they've been oppressed for so much of their mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. they tend to be slightly more insular as a group, which leads to like them being an easier target for a lot of people because like, well, you'll see them help each other out in very positive ways But those who are failing and not succeeding, they make a great target because it's like, well, they're succeeding where you're failing. It's because they're stealing it from you. They're stealing your success. It's like, No, they're just being, you know, social and helping each other out because if they don't, nobody else will.
0: Yeah. And they're seen as the perpetual outsider as a result, right? Everywhere they go, they're this insular community that doesn't fit into like the Christian medieval order around them that which yeah. is like very contextual to the land and peasants and fields and the lords of that like jews are kind of this outside pocket within that and it's no surprise not to justify witch trials and inquisitions mm-hmm, but like absolutely. no surprise that the church would scapegoat such people yeah and that witchcraft is so associated with jewish traditions and jewish people like it's just you say oh yeah that's it that's the bad thing
1: well, I mean, you know, we've seen similar attempts in with, with the witchcraft and with, like, uh, being queer, being gay. Those kinds of things are hunted in a similar... Like, being any of those marks you to be hunted in a similar way and used as a scapegoat in a similar way. But some of the difficulties is that often, like, with the witchcraft and especially with, like, being, being gay, it's something that is part of the in-group, like even even people who are part of the in group of the the like you know the fascists in this case they can still be gay they can still be witches they can still like have these experiences and pull themselves away from that they make themselves a target doing so but it's harder to point to them as being like an outside group that's within whereas you know again not to justify this in any way but being Jewish like you have lots of pockets of jewish communities within larger more ethno um like ethnically similar other places well again, they have their
0: their whole great chain of being their medieval idea like from god to the king or to the pope to the king to the lords to the knights to the merchants to the peasants to the jew like because jews are outside of all that they didn't have the covenant with christ they don't take communion like and like, there, this is a, like, I think we like like to think of ourselves as like beyond all that. And it's like, you know, a lot has changed in the last couple centuries, but like the Middle Ages weren't that long ago. And like a lot of things die hard, like old habits die hard, and we don't recognize like ingrained biases. We don't recognize like, like people just don't even like, you know, go between like the XXXY boy, girl, you know, male, female, binary, gender thing. Like, people don't who were really into that and they think of it as like objective science. Yeah. Like they're not conceiving of that whoever decided to organize their data set, limited data set that they had, whoever did that, they were acting out of like their context. It was like a 16th 17th century like, you know, European white Christian straight, presumably straight man, like, looking at the sort of data that he expected to look at and organized in a way that made sense to his current mindset. And then from then on, we're like, oh, yeah, we build on that, we add to it, we find out little bits of data here and there. And you don't even fundamentally challenge the underlying principle that was coming out of this Christo-fascist
1: viewpoint. Well, I mean... So another thing that from that time and that period that really, like, I think cements the idea of using um, Jews as a as a sort of scapegoat for so much is that they were also, because under Christianity at the time, Christians were not allowed to lend money. It was against the laws of the Bible. Mm. So the people that did lend money were Jews. Um, and, like, as a result, a lot of times, like... You know, nobody like likes owing a debt.
0: Yeah, every, everybody in your community all owes money to either the same person or the same group of people who are, like, visibly outside of your typical communal, like, idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, even, like, one of the other groups most famously known for lending money out um, and holding, like, large sums of wealth, working a little bit like a bank, is the Knights Templar, who were like murdered en masse when uh, i think it was the spanish king at the time you know used some religious excuse that they were they were heathens and they were actually like um what's the term for when you violate the the laws of the bible i can't think of the, oh, the, name the prime for it. directive but yeah basically like had them strung up have them confessing to crimes that they'd never committed and blasphemy that's the one you know stating they were they were blasphemers of the highest order also that he could just take their money because
2: oh
0: yeah cuz like well that's the thing right with with witchcraft wasn't it like if you accuse someone as a witch and they're always found guilty you get to keep half their stuff and the church keeps the other half
1: yeah it, there were there were multiple reasons for that uh, and like fascinatingly enough witchcraft iconogic sorry iconography um it comes around from a lot of women at the time being brewers of beer, mm. weirdly enough. And the church was actually moving in on a lot of that industry, trying to turn it into really? more of a, an industry thing that they had a hand in. Oh, like those all those like drunken friars
0: that you sort of see of in like folksy illustrations.
1: Yeah,
2: because
1: um, they were they were brewing beer in their um, in their churches and as part of like their community like that communion have
0: i i know there were some groups that took communion with beer and not wine yeah
1: i think that would i mean that would make sense to me but
0: Ooh, that was a thing apparently
1: but um yeah like even the the, the broom on the the door was supposed to be like a signal that you had beer to sell were you like shooing away rats uh, yeah, it's also something quite useful for shoeing away rats, but that's where the, the cats come in.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, yeah okay. Cats being a that's very common I mean.
1: association because they kept the mice and the rats away. Mm-hmm. The cauldron for brewing beer. Of course, <laughs> naturally. Make the big soup. Um, and then the the tall pointed hats, great for when you're selling beer at a market. It's, it's, this whole, like, it's you potions.
0: You're brewing potions. Yeah, you stick on the market. I didn't want to step on that. Yeah, I know. But like, yeah, like you're, you're brewing potions that intoxicate people, that change people, that maybe who knows what they're putting in there. Oh, honey, I didn't mean to grab that barmaid's arse. <laughs> it was that <laughs> yeah. witch's brew that, that made me do it.
1: Yeah. They were also very commonly associated with like having a lot of basic herbal knowledge because... A They tended to have huge amounts of herbs for the beer and like booze making process, but b they also had tended to have that knowledge that they applied to like helping out the locals with salves and tinctures and whatever the fuck um just there like it, it, all the, the pieces just wow, and
0: it's also they could get in on the market, yeah pretty much so the question is what market do trans people hold that elon musk wants to get in (laughs) on?
1: so uh, i was gonna say the other aspect is that they wanted to pull power away from women in society and i think that's the same thing we're seeing here as well is with like being trans and elon musk because he's trying to pull power away from being everybody yeah like he just he wants everybody's power he wants he wants his own little tiny state on mars that he can control all the people there like slaves because you know that's what he grew up with the emerald mine and fucking... oh yeah he-,
0: he wants to make new apartheid
1: on on mars i mars tide <laughs> i think something like it Pro- probably not as like racially based but certainly as like as economically disparate um,
0: oh yeah it'll all be apified don't worry yeah. It'll be totally epic. You'll get to build post and you'll get to have points. It'll be all gamified. There'll be Fog of War. <laughs> There'll be all the things that make uh things intellectually interesting
1: to epic sirs and the like. I mean, at this point, he seems to have even abandoned most of those pretenses and just sort of gone off the crazy end. But, uh, you know, that man is <laughs> deranged. As far
0: as I'm concerned. Well, he has a lot of money, so he must be an okay guy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He must
0: deserve it. Prosperity gospel.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that he used his money to uh, buy the rights to call himself the... um, Was it the the founder of Tesla? Because he didn't actually found it. He was on from relatively early in the process but he paid out the other two founders um so that he could call himself the only founder which is just such a fucked up thing to do um i think didn't he do something similar with paypal because he owned a little tiny thing that got bought by paypal and then he got on the board of directors and became the ceo for a while until they forced him to step down because he was doing such a bad job like, the dude's oh, yeah. business acumen sucks. He's just a really good kind of at self-inflation. Controlling
0: the story is everything. If you can control the story about yourself, you control reality, basically. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, you might as well.
1: Uh, that's, that's exactly what he's done. He's, like, just really pumped up his stock value massively. Convinced governments and... um and investors that he's worth lots of money and what they're going to be making is going to change the world and it is just, just, I don't know, pissing it all away on slap fights on Twitter, it seems like. Well, I mean,
0: sure, I guess I'd slap people if I had billions of dollars. <laughs>
1: It well, this is funny just watching him flounder with all of the, sol- you know, solved in inverted commas problems with the website, where, like, Twitter had gone through a number of things to reach the point that it had on censorship and what have you. And he's like, no, 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 I don't like the censorship. So he comes in and changes it all, and then steadily adds back all of the features that Twitter had gone through to get to the point that they're at now. It's <laughs> kind of wild, except he's doing no, it to censor people on the left.
0: I mean, well, think of it this way. If you wanted to, like, put a secret booby trap or poison into something, you'd probably do it best to strip it down and then build it back up piece by piece, but this time with the thing you wanted inside it.
1: I mean, I guess he's turned it into the new version of Truth Social, from what I gather, in some respects. Oh, yeah. I
0: don't even go on there anymore. I wouldn't bother. I I never really used Twitter, so, you know. know. Uh, it's just it's so great. It's this great cover for like weird, uncool people like me, to, who were like trying to make a name for ourselves. Get to say, yeah, but the grapes were sour, anyways. Twitter always sucked, anyways. Why I, I didn't want to be there. I don't want to be there now. Certainly.
1: I mean, this is the trouble. Is like I didn't see the appeal back when it first started. I couldn't get be convinced that it was worth my time and. It does feel very much like I'm, I'm very, um, I don't know, it feels like I'm sitting here going, I told you so. But
0: I mean, I feel like <laughs> I, I told you so is, is true all the time. I thought like, you know, Facebook when it first came out, I was like, nope, that's a trick. That's going to be yeah. bad. And then like, you know, over the years, it was like I graduated college and I like, eventually it was like I was going to like lose contact. Was, what it was was I was planning to live on a sailboat and I wasn't going to have like, phone probably I wasn't going to have a mailing Mm. address how would my friends that I made in university stay in contact with me well with Facebook I could stay in contact with them all so I got a Facebook account like you know in 2011 and then I you know over time embraced it more and more and eventually found like a business there and like I make my living through social media And then a couple years into doing that, realized, oh, wait, this is totally, though, a trap, exactly the way I thought it was when it first came out. But too late. I (laughs) swallowed the hook. And it's (laughs) in me now.
1: I mean, even these days, I vaguely keep my Facebook account because extended family is on it. And at this point, I'm almost tempted to delete it. Like, I don't know. I unironically miss MySpace. It was like... A I never pla- used it. I, it was it was kind of... Well, so I never used GeoCities because I was a little bit too young for it, but um, I gather it had some similarities and that it was sort of just a place you put your vibe. That was sort of what MySpace was to me and a lot of my friends. You just put your vibe up on your page. I will say the instantly playing music was an annoying feature and the amount of HTML nonsense people put on their pages was frankly terrible um but it was like your own little space that had your own personality and your own flavor and like mostly the people that were annoying in real life were the ones that were annoying on their pages and so i just didn't go to their pages i went to the people i had more interest in
0: yeah, but Jenna, know. all those things could be microtransactions,
1: right?
2: Uh, why would
0: you? Why would you let people upload whatever they want when you can have a collection of things that you curate and produce that they can upload for a small, reasonable fee of tokens of <laughs> that are proprietary to your platform that they can just buy with real currency? Oh, that's where we're going, isn't it? Sir, yeah, honey, uh, that's you know. Depressing. I've been playing Diablo two on Playstation Four. It's great. Oh. In, in like the best, most like trans positive way possible. I am a ten year old boy again. <laughs> it is it's so wonderful. I don't know, like it's bring me back like I wasn't I was like thirteen when Diablo Two came out, but I first yeah. found Diablo early in my life and it was like this dark horror, this, this evil, and it, like, really drew me in, and you got to, like, oh, I could play as a girl, oh, I'm playing the, the rogue, yeah. oh, interesting, I feel, that's giving me some weird feelings there, this first time ever I'm I'm embodying this person, and it was sort of like, well, my sibling had, was always playing, already playing the warrior, older sibling, mm-hmm. and it sort of fits, oh, yes, the big, strong, you know, protector, older sibling, well, I'll play, like, the sub-secondary sort of role, and didn't pick the old black man uh, the wizard it was no it wasn't into magic that's what it was and then yeah. going on record i was not a racist child or an ageist child it was magicist i don't I, I don't only like magic i'm going to say it which is weird because i'm a, i guess i'm a witch now but mm-hmm. it, you know i'm st- i got feelings about magic powers i won't go into but i went okay archery that is a that's a noble honest trade to have and also, so just so happens to be a, a cute girl in a tight bodysuit with a little ponytail. She's really so cute.
2: Yeah. And
0: that, yeah, like I said, game of things. Anyways, Diablo 2. Getting off track because I'm just lost in this the beauty of this horrible, dark, depressing world. Um, I, I, I love mean, that game. It was great. I've logged more hours in Diablo 2 than any other game, I'm quite certain. It's It's definitely in the thousands, which for me is quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, a few other games can stack up to that and i'm playing it again on playstation 4 and it's a really great experience really like how it plays with a controller as opposed to the mouse but it's a little different i swear there's something they've changed and i i I, I don't want to talk too much crap about this for something i haven't confirmed and don't know for sure Yeah. but like i think they've changed the balance well first of all i know for a fact they've changed it so bosses don't drop good stuff like after the first time you kill them which is ostensibly a good thing because it's like i I think doing the whole boss run thing that's kind of dumb like it's kind of lame just like oh really we're gonna go kill this the boss again and again to farm like that's killing the gravitas
1: of this right i mean it's it's something i sort of could never stand out of world of warcraft is like you keep doing the same dungeon raids over and over again um the endgame of that game just did not appeal to me for many years for that It becomes a job. Reason. Yeah. Well it also undercuts any story elements that are like, oh, this big bad evil guy who's now at the end of this dungeon that people do on a daily basis. There's like a a lineup <laughs> to go fight the, the the volcanic core guy for his
0: eye or whatever. Like that's old now, I know, but like yeah. this epic, super epic struggle, there's like a board lineup. of of impatient players jumping and
1: air humping and like people having planning meetings while they assign managers to manage what everybody's role is for like some of that is yeah that's pretty cool but some of that is just a job (laughs) like you're willingly going to planning meetings to plan how and when you press some buttons to defeat to just be the next in line to defeat this big bad that somehow has not been defeated the six million other times that people have done this like i don't know (laughs) Yeah, i sound like such a grouch but like no
0: no i i'm there with you i so that's why i thought oh that's a good change right in this game it doesn't keep dropping stuff so there's no incentive to go back and do the runs however there's also like it's way more balanced towards you losing your money like you lose your money way faster when you die uh, it, it's I, I swear it's it's quite a big tip. Like the more money you have, the more you lose, and you will lose that money very quickly. So, and also, um, I just I just feel overall my drops aren't that great. And I'm like whatever, maybe that's just me being a little whiny bitch. But the point well, is, I feel like they're skewing it so that gold is simultaneously more important because. Uh, you don't get those drops anymore. You're not going to get the drops from, from fighting bosses again and again. How are you going to yeah. get those drops? You're going to get them from gambling. You're going to gamble. Oh, of and you need the gambling. gold to hit. gamble. It takes a lot of money to gamble, especially for good stuff. So, yeah. But if you die, and the more gold you have, the more gold you lose. So, And yeah. I know it was like kind of always the case this way, but this way I feel like they've made it way harsher. I feel like they've retooled... This is a long walk, by the way, I know. No worries. They retooled uh, Diablo 2 and PlayStation 4 to be balanced in favor of gold mining and gambling for
1: replayability that way. Which, (laughs) if true, is horrifying. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the the Diablo... Is it Diablo Immortal? I don't remember. That's the The mobile one, right? Yeah, the mobile one is... Like, I think somebody worked it out as being, like, you'd have to spend 575, like, years playing constantly to get the top tier stuff without paying for it. So Some ridiculous number of, like, just absolutely bunkers out there numbers for for what you have to grind in this game if you don't want to shell out cash. It's just like, well, nobody has that kind of time. Literally nobody lives for over 500 years. Like... Yeah, it, it's like... It's just clearly there to make you spend money. Yeah. And, I mean, Activision Blizzard is... uh Yeah, famous at this point for trying to find a million ways to make people spend as much money as possible. Like the true dark religion i mean the new overwatch champions are just like oh the new tank is honestly feels overpowered feels overpowered to play i'm sure he'll be nerfed once the um he's out of the once he becomes part of the free aspect but they just want people to pay for him because then you know they get the powerful hero to start with it's just it's all the same stuff from that company. Over over it, over again. I, uh, I don't want to give them any money ever, ever again. And I kind of can't wait till they're bought by Microsoft, though that has some problems because Microsoft is starting to, like, encroach on, what, 50% of the, the AAA market at this point. They just own various studios. It's like, they are the Disney of video games. Yeah, yeah. It was just... <laughs> Are they? Are
0: they getting Blizzard? They're buying
1: Blizzard. Um. I thought... Yeah. So their their plan is to buy Activision Blizzard. Yeah. The, the whole company. That's wild. Um. In fact, there's there's some good news on that side, which is I believe there's unions at the moment that are using that fragility to get some of their stuff pushed through. Oh. Because um, there've been problems with sexual alle- like sexual assault allegations and like pay problems and. Just so many things. So this is the perfect time for them to kick up a storm, because if they kick up enough of a the storm, then Microsoft won't want to buy the company.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, just, it's like the, the, the Black Death destabilizing feudalism. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sort of a grim comparison, but yeah. <laughs> it did give farmers a huge amount of, like, peasants a huge oh. amount of, um, like, leverage. <laughs> and, like... Yeah, I mean, I can't blame them. They want to secure their jobs knowing that, like, they're not going to just get turfed out on their ear. Like, that seems pretty fucking reasonable to me. I don't know.
0: So, Jenna. (laughs) Yeah. What are we talking about?
1: (laughs) So, we're, we're... And covering a topic that's um, pretty near and dear to my heart in some respects, which is the idea of eldritch horror and how that relates to queer experiences and que- experiences of a lot of minorities. Um, like, as I'm sure many people know, H.P. Lovecraft is kind of a turd. Um, but the irony is that a lot of what he wrote resonates, I think, really well with a lot of people on the queer side. And I just wanted to like delve into delve into this topic
0: so what do you think of when you say or
1: hear the word eldritch uh typically kind of tentacles things that are way bigger um otherworldly unexplainable horrors typically but Mm -hmm. not always horrors eldritch to me has this sort of like unknowable feel to it Mm -hmm. i think is a better better way to put it
0: to me i think i always encountered that word in like rpgs and video games and maybe card Mm -hmm. games you know magic or something and it, to me it always conjured up like very old like eld it's eldritch yeah <laughs> but it's it's like it's always like oh yeah that's old and and then like maybe kind of spooky
2: and...
1: Well, I, I think you know some of my favorite eldritch horror features like creatures or or beings that have existed far before humanity did and will exist far after we have ceased to be um and like the kind of idea of grappling with these Almost super real beings, and the fact that like we are infantismal, and not only are we infantismal, but there are things that are not infantismal that could wipe us out with barely a thought. Um think- And do,
0: does it have to be like a being, or or do you think it? There's room in how you conceive of it, or your appreciation of it, for like just the realization that the universe. Either does not care about you in the face of big, terrible, destructive things, or is actively hostile to you. It It is and creates and sends the big, horrible, destructive things that it might be an entity, but it might just be the, the, the universe itself on some conceptual level. Because I think that is what resonates for a lot of queer people.
1: I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it for me, because that is exactly it, is like... Um you know, I I think that really connects, that really resonates with me as well. That just sort of, yeah, the idea that like things are so out of our control and even even in our sort of like what we know, there are things about our universe that just eclipse us on an incredible scale. And there's something, I don't know, there's something sort of eye-opening of looking at the universe vast and filled with things that we will likely never get to, to see up close never get to experience up close like my lifetime is a tiny tiny infinitesimal speck on a truly grandiose scale and it is i don't know it's humbling and interesting to to think about those aspects and like you know um especially for me that kind of like tying it to queerness is like the fact that a lot of us do a lot of introspection to understand Why we often don't fit in the world around us. Like, you know, society has a habit of pushing us out and making it very clear. Even when you're trying to follow their rules, like especially as a trans person, pretending to be a guy for most of my life just didn't work for me. And I always felt alienated and pushed out. And so, like, I tended to do a lot of personal thought around why that was.
0: It's like you're sleepwalking through life. And you can't put your finger on why things don't work. And then you slowly come upon some terrifying hidden knowledge that's scarier than anything you could ever have possibly imagined. And you dare not even think about it or or talk about it for years and years. But it eats away at you until eventually you can't take it anymore. And it comes screaming out of you. And it's
1: a whole new world. Yeah, I mean it, it it fundamentally changes how you look at everything around you. Like and and yeah, it is it feels like forbidden things that you're not supposed to look into or or understand, and it's like and the more that you do, the more you see these connections, the more that you understand that there is this kind of space outside of what society deems is acceptable, the more society wants to push you away. Because you start sounding more and more Crazy, more and more mad um even though you have put pieces together that other people haven't when you try and explain this to them when you try and show them what's there they just you know like (laughs) queer people at various points in history have been thrown away in mental asylums for simply expressing the fact that they have seen these things, that they feel these things, and society is like, no, 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 you're just crazy.
0: Not to mention before that, persecuted uh, for witchcrafts or or the like, being, you're a social outcast, and then eventually a scapegoat as a social outcast.
1: I mean, I always, like, one of the more depressing things of, like, mental asylums and what have you, is all the women that were locked up for just happening to enjoy sex. Like... (laughs) The fact that um in insane asylums were where uh dildos were first invented, as were vibrators, oh, sorry, not dildos, vibrators specifically were invented in in uh, by doctors trying to treat patients with hysteria.
0: Oh, just, she just needed to come real good, and then
1: yeah, basically, he was like, "My hands are getting tired from basically getting this woman off all the time." Um, which they were treating like a medical condition, like a medical procedure that they had to do, and it was a bother. So he was oh, like, "Well, wow. I'm going to invent a device to do it for me." Jeez, <laughs> like
0: I wonder why she wasn't coming, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> oh wow the, the the wonders of the knowledge, right? The mainstream knowledge. They they wonder when by, why people would like stray away from the light when they're like there there's sort of this woefully incomplete mainstream that's only in service of one narrow band of people that are acceptable yeah. and like everyone else is like well I don't fit here, and I—I I, it's really quite painful to make myself fit here. I'm eventually going to flake off to other things, they're like, no, where are you going? Why are you going to the dark, forbidden knowledge that I don't want you to know about?
1: Yeah, and they throw you in the madhouse for even daring to speak of it, or admitting that you like things. Like- Oh, I'm sorry. Was I too f- happy for you? <laughs> like oh, I wasn't enjoying allowed to my be. life.
0: Well, they're not happy, right? They they are not enjoying their lives either because yeah. it, it's not that sort of thing. Doesn't make you happy. Oppressing other people doesn't make you happy. And contorting yourself and destroying your true self because I don't think anyone truly fits into these spaces either. You're yeah. doing some contortion to some degree. There, you're. You're going to be miserable. Because you're not really expressing yourself, even if that contortion brings you material gain or you know societal accolades or whatever. Somebody, people are going to look up to you. You're this respected patriarch in the community or whatever. If, as long as you behave a certain way and you know don't display any emotion or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, like that's what's so I don't know fascinating to me about the way that society. Um, has structured itself around often let's be honest white men in particular like so many of them don't seem happy like if you follow the narrative that you know you're supposed to get married relatively young have a few kids and be a responsible adult so many men hit their early late 30s early 40s and kill themselves because like it's a huge constant problem of guys offing themselves because they look at it and they're like well i'm not happy this sucks and when you keep blaming everyone else for your problems and be like no, no no it's the minority's fault um eventually when you run out of the ability to believe that lie what are you left with
0: you know, you keep pushing things harder and harder. They keep trying to squeeze more and more blood out of the stone. Yeah. And they, they persecute people more and more. And eventually you don't have anybody left to throw in the volcano. And,
1: you know, what are you going to do? Jump yourself? Right. I mean, you know, as a, as a sort of fun analogy as well, like Eldritch Horror is like, it feels like we're in a system that eats people. It just eats them and swallows them and destroys them as part of it it feels like a very eldritch being everybody and so, treats
0: it as normal
1: yeah as as not only normal but like the peak of what humanity can be they're like no, no, no capitalism is the end that we've we've solved it capitalism is the solution to everything and it's just like well it's eating people it's destroying oh. our planet it's it's we're <laughs> literally seeing like massive global changes of environments brought about by capitalism i think
0: this is tapping into a common uh, eldritch horror uh theme i was trying to think of other synonyms for eldritch horror. Let's go with eldritch horror theme of yeah. like the like, the word made flesh an idea coming to fruition in the physical realm something being manifested that didn't previously exist And it's like we're creating like this hell on earth by manifesting capitalism more and more in believing in this idea and spreading it. And like a capitalist nations would create narratives about like how socialism works by like blockading and like, you know, excluding uh, socialist nations and socialist efforts within their own nation and yeah. be like, no, see, it doesn't work. And they see they can't get along with anybody. And, oh, there's all these conflicts everywhere they are. And,
2: oh, <laughs> I wonder
0: why. And oh, and then eventually the Soviet Union fell. It's all because they couldn't get anybody to join them.
1: And they, they couldn't produce enough because we kept pushing them and, and excluding them. And <laughs> I mean, it's still like, that's one of the, the fascinating things to me about like, um, the, the Cold War and where Russia was, because like, just before that just before the cold war they were dealing with world war ii and before that they were overcoming their oppressors and industrialized at a rate that like nobody had ever really seen before the fact that they were keeping pace with the united states which had been industrialized for far longer with like massive capital resources that they'd accrued during both wars by lending arms to other countries
0: and then also being embedded in the the whole capitalist world yeah all this trade network that's already built up all these countries and colonies already being exploited what did what did the soviet union have outside of just their borders like you know they get little places here and they get cuba yeah korea north vietnam
1: for a little bit like they they built an entire network that was, like, honestly, pretty impressive. It's, it's fascinating to me how much they did. I mean, like, you know, I don't want to pretend that there weren't massive problems. Like, you know, Stalin was sort of an awful person um, and had a lot of people murdered. But it's always fascinating to me to have like discussions with people where they're like oh no, no, no communism killed, killed millions of people and then like you look at the circumstances that they list for all of these deaths by communism um and a lot of them are very just like oh yeah, people died because they didn't have food from the embargo that, like, our nations put on them. Like, well... Not to can mention... Can you call that the fault of communism? Well, if you we're what...
0: calling that the fault of communism, then how come all the people who starve under capitalism don't count?
1: Exactly. That's exactly where I was about to go yeah. with that. It was like, you know, people are starving the world round because of capitalism. Like, my, my favorite thing is seeing um, pictures from... Like the United States during the pandemic, where it was like um, there were like issues getting food and goods to various shops, and people were taking photos. And then other people were like, "Yeah, this is what's, what what uh, shopping centers are like in Venezuela." It's like that's from like the local Whole Foods in um, like Utah or something. It was like you you're just using like photos. Or, or my other favorite is from the Great Depression. Like, using photos from the Great Depression to talk about how the Soviet Union was bad. Oh, my God. They're like, yeah, look, this is the consequences of of socialism. It's like, that's the Great Depression. That's... What are you... What? Yeah, that was was a capitalist.
2: (laughs) What, what, What
1: system was in charge of America? Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to mention that, like, Nazi Germany, just before the Nazis took power, was going through the greatest recession they'd ever had. Like, they have... That was part of how the Nazis ended up taking power, is, like, because the capitalist system failed people. That's why yeah. socialism was so popular at the time, because well, they were, like, looking for another solution.
0: Well, it goes back to, like, the, the Middle Ages, and it's, like, always easy to, to persecute the outside group. Oh, oh, the person, this outside group that everybody in the community owes money to, and mm-hmm. now the times are getting bad? Well... It'd be pretty easy and pretty convenient to get everybody riled up and say it's those people that yeah. are to blame, and it's they're doing evil things to. Well, I, you know,
1: I've heard um, I've heard somebody describe fascism as the immune system of capitalism, in that it is like a, a defensive system that will take over when capitalism is under extreme threat. Um, it will take over, and the only times I, I gather. I I need to fact check myself on this one, but I gather the only time that a fascist regime has really peacefully kind of wound down um, possibly with the exception of the recent Brazilian um, situation, but has been to, to go down back to regular old capitalism. And I mean, even there it's, it's still regular old capitalism, but like, in order for a, a fascist regime to give up control, they either have to be killed off or they give control back to the capitalists. Seems to be the sort of narrative that we've seen before. It's like, oh, well, we've done the, the work of writing the system back to the way it was where the capitalists were in charge and all of the minorities were either removed or back to being manual labor. So uh, I guess we can hand the reins back. Problem solved. Problem solved.
0: Like I'm just picturing um, a uh, Osmosis Jones with a Hitler mustache voice by Kanye West. <laughs>
2: oh no. Oh <laughs> Yeah. So um, this uh,
0: this hostile environment, this this like overarching idea that is being manifested in the, to the world this this yeah. evil that is made flesh uh through people's mindless actions day by day and then the plucky little group that they too have been sleepwalking but in a different way they didn't realize that there was another deep forbidden knowledge that they were not supposed to hold that has been calling to them their whole lives and as they go closer to it, their, their fear grows and they're they, they, they transgressing to somewhere they should not be. Somewhere they know is dangerous. And, and still they persevere on and come through and flip. They are in another world where up is down and down is up. Good is bad. And everything they thought was bad is in fact good. And they can be free and be themselves. But what comes with that is the responsibility to fight against the growing darkness from the other realm that is making itself manifest as well on our plane.
1: Well, I think not only that, but also, like, you get touched by the the kind of... the fact that you have looked at this stuff. The fact that you you get touched by the the very nature of it, in a way, marked in many ways. Like, you know... Uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of queer people are typically able to spot other queer people without too much difficulty because there are certain things that you just start to pick up on.
0: Even without... They don't have to have rainbows. They don't have yeah. to have patches
1: or anything. Like It's a vibe. It's yeah. how you
0: stand. It's how you
1: move. It's how you look at all the people around you and how you talk about things. Just There's so much that if you're aware of it you start to see a whole little pieces and you start to see that uh, these are people who like thought about these subjects that have delved into this stuff and like started to change their worldview but it also means that like society uses us as great scapegoats when they know about us oftentimes they're far too blind to the fact that we are unless we are forced to put that information out there but you know they don't want to challenge the narrative they don't want to they don't want to stop feeding the beast that is our society's like grindhouse and we make great fodder when we've um, marked ourselves as different shall we say
0: oh yeah it's so easy the perpetual out group that yeah. group that everybody has a harbored like a, an inlaid distrust of they don't they have, like, a, like I a bias in society that they hold that keeps them, you know, it's it's easy to be like, wait, those people, that's the problem. They're, they're uh, seducing your children into evil. They're yes. indoctrinating them into their wicked cult.
1: Yes, officer, those people over there, the ones that look happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the happy, bright rainbow people. Those are the people that are indoctrinating your children into Satan.
1: Yeah, like, oh... Talk about indoctrination, and like, talk about holy texts that become like that have real power in the world just by their the words that are in them. It's like, well, pick any religious text; it doesn't even matter if it's if there was even a hint of reality in there. The point is that people treat it like so, and so it gives it power; it gives it control over our very world. We see these effects, and it's like if that's not Eldritch in nature i i don't know what is like you know um
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh i don't know like a. it's also no coincidence that a lot of us end up embracing occult beliefs and practices there's so many trans and queer witches like astrology and tarot crystals yeah. and buddhism uh, which you know for a lot of people that's enough to be a cult like that's yeah like we get into the woo stuff because we are not served by the mainstream okay. the mainstream didn't give us what we needed and has proved itself incapable and unwilling to do so so we find it elsewhere
1: absolutely i think like you know it's it becomes really important for a lot of us to to make connections um spiritually and in in a lot of these ways but we are as you say absolutely not served by the narratives that exist presently those narratives those books those religions treat us like we're like the worst thing they treat us like absolute like outcasts as we said they they treat us like crap. In some cases, they hunt us down, and and literally, you know, it was demonic possession. It's
0: a, <laughs> an aberration from Satan to, to seduce children and to evil. Like it's, yeah. Like the, 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 I mean, not to mention like the associations with you know uh, child sexual assault. Like that is the most evil thing that society can conceive of, and I would generally agree rightfully so it's pretty yeah. much the worst thing you could do and so it's not hard to get people whipped up against it yeah, who would wouldn't agree who wouldn't agree that we would we'd want to fight the ultimate evil the most baddest thing you can conceive of you know harming a child in that way is the most wicked thing you could conceive of a person doing. who wouldn't want to you know rise up against that And if you paint a group of people as that, well, it becomes pretty easy to get people to rise up against that group of people and maybe take out some aggression they've got pent up because the system isn't serving them either.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, that that sort of, like, it so often feels like that narrative of the system not serving people. And, like, yeah, you know, using... uh, There's something that I've seen about, like... um, Everything conservatives accuse the left of is is often an admission of their own guilt. Um, it's depressing how often that ends up ringing true, with like conservatives like, "Oh, the gays are, are pedophiles," and then like another pedophile ring gets uh, uncovered, and it's like, "Oh, it was a bunch of Republicans, and a, there was wasn't a, a gay person among them." The church pastor.
0: Yeah. It was a church, you know, a volunteer
1: it was a conservative coach it was i mean the catholic church is well known for a long and storied history of protecting pedophiles just shuffling them around while accusing us as being the aberrations of of nature that we're the ones that are wrong and uh, associated with the devil meanwhile they're messing with kids and it's like
0: uh. I, I I'm at a point where, like, I know a lot of people talk about projection and and, and such, and it's it's you know a dangerous road to go down, being a like an armchair or diagnosis or throwing diagnoses like a weapon. But like, I really do think these people are projecting. When is anybody who's obsessed with with queer people being groomers? It's like I, you're you're a groomer. If you're that obsessed with this, you've got something going on with that. You are a weirdo, creep, pedophile person. And I'm gonna, I mean, like. It's one of those things where it's like treading the water a little bit of like, do I dare like generally spout this out like in a public platform? But like, generally speaking, why is it they get to spread lies about an entire group of people? All queer trans people are this terrible bad thing that we all hate. Why am I similarly not to be like, well, every single person who says that about trans and queer people, they are also actually that though, because it's projection and that's actual science. That's actual you know current psychological stuff see i can justify it far more than you can justify your non-claim you're making which is not based on anything i actually have a basis for the thing i'm saying and more often than not i'm proved right so why yeah. i'm hes- hesitant to speed that out because i don't want to just wildly spout out something like that but truth be told i should be able to with at least as much basis that they have if not quite a bit more because theirs is none
1: well, I think the the really frustrating thing in that regard is that um oftentimes they are given a platform to say these things and we are actively prevented from saying.
0: Yeah, we would be penalized. They do yeah. they get
1: to say whatever they want. And
0: we don't get to defend ourselves or make any kind of counterclaim that
1: again continually seems to be proven true. Like, funnily enough, like, I end up seeing um, you know, you always see these these twitter threads of people speaking out about like accusing the the right of the things that they keep accusing everybody else of and they get dogpiled like it's hard for us to speak out when we aren't the majority like we are in the minority it's hard for us to be like hey have you looked at these guys that keep accusing of all us of all this stuff statistically they're more likely to be doing it themselves like
0: a um, humongous margin, by the way, because like it, and comparing the margins would be non existent because, gen, like, we haven't, there aren't any, like, you know, the, the things they're afraid of happening, like queer people in bathrooms or change rooms, not happening. It's, there's, yeah. no, there's no uh, instances of this happening, so.
1: Well, worst is when they like, they try and massage other situations to like make it seem like it's something else. Like, I know there was, and you know, for the record, queer people are people like we have there are awful members of our community this is just something well, that happens because we are people
0: we're more likely to be targets of sexual assault and people who are victims of sexual assault are oftentimes traumatized to a point where they themselves commit sexual assaults in a way to try and work through these feelings they can't reconcile with and I'm, I wouldn't ever like a, you know excuse it and be like oh yeah that's totally cool and no that person needs help and they need to be away from other people where they you know can't be doing this to them
1: absolutely and it's
0: like I, it could be concealed. okay you're, hey, you're a queer person you got assaulted and then you end up doing assaults that happens sure but like that's not like all of us it's like a, like that's the same number of people presumably who are not queer who get assaulted and then go on to assault themselves like it doesn't it's not any
1: more certainly. I mean, I, I would actually argue that it's it's less because a lot of us are far more willing to seek therapy that's and true. to think things through well, a lot more. That's just it. So this is some the intrinsic part of
0: being queer. The queer experience is reconciling with oneself, deep introspection. You have to look at yourself and look at the world in a way that a lot of cis hetero people just aren't forced to. They're never required to look through the veil. They're never required to look at the deepest, darkest parts of themselves. Everything's kind of handed to them as far as who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. Not to say they don't have struggles. Sure. So if you are a queer victim of sexual assault, you're far more likely to be better equipped to process that assault. And it's true. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've known quite a few queer and trans uh, survivors of sexual assault who are not abusers. And yeah, sure. I know uh cis hetero people who are survivors as well who are not abusers yeah uh so it just goes to show that you if you have the ability to work through it you're not going to be in that position it's those people who are not put in a position to work through it the true outcasts of society the people in broken homes super poverty people living in the most dire circumstances those are the ones that truly f- slip through the cracks and then yeah. become these outline cases
1: well uh you know one of the things that i've seen repeat time and time again in a lot of these like conservative groups is people who are unwilling to face the narrative that they have been a victim of abuse like i've heard the the idea of like well i was beaten as a kid and i turned out fine so many times it's like well i don't think you did though you're a kind of a monster especially if you're talking about wanting to beat your kids like yeah you're not if you think it's good to beat your kids no you're not fine i'm sorry like we have the data we've done science on this we we know that beating your kids doesn't work there are almost no circumstances where it is useful in any regard and like even the circumstances where it could argue that it could be like vaguely useful there are better methods and you don't need to abuse your child in order to, like, ensure certain behaviors.
0: Well, I'm convinced that, you know, conservatives are by and large people who were bullied by their parents until they became their parents. Exactly. They, they internalized the authority. They internalized that this version of reality, this authoritarian, my way or the highway, you got to do this, bucko. And I'm going to hit you, chances are. And I'm not not all conservatives hit their kids, but a lot do. And I'm going to beat you and hit you and instill an authoritarian view from my point of view to you. And then you will now become that. And and, and you'll think, no, that was good. My dad is great. My dad's the coolest, best guy. I owe my dad everything. I'm going to work hard and be just like my dad. And, like, they become them. They beat them into submission.
1: Well, like, you know, our society and people's parents, especially like in a lot of these um, kinds of families, treat that kind of physical strength, the presence of authority, the ability to beat up other people as something that's good. It's portrayed as like being manly. You know, the idea that, and I mean, speaking as somebody who had grew up amongst men, toxic masculinity is this aspect of masculinity that is like, well, you know, being strong, being abusive is is good, actually. And there's so much like reinforcement of that. And like I, I to me it's no surprise that anybody who's having uncomfortable feelings or who's been through trauma looks at looks at this toxic sort of situation they're in with people around them who are going to not want anything to do with them, going to push them away, treat them like they're garbage, treat them like they're not. A person if they admit to having suffered trauma it's like no wonder they don't work through it no wonder they're afraid of seeing a therapist because oh you know if you see a therapist that makes you a woman or something it Like makes you
0: weak weakness yeah. is the thing that's not allowed sensitivity and expression are weakness yeah and weakness is not towing the line it's not doing your share you got to work right everything's about working hard and pushing forward and towing you know taking care of yourself And you're showing weakness, that's not taking care of yourself. You're expecting somebody
1: else to take care of you. Yeah. And that is not allowed. Uh, To me, there's, like, some of the most powerful moments, uh, some of the moments that I felt the most powerful in my life have been helping other people. And, like, the idea that people shouldn't accept that help because... Well, you know that makes them less manly. That makes them weak. That makes them more vulnerable. It's like, well, yeah. Sometimes vulnerability is the point. Sometimes you have to be vulnerable in order to deal with your stuff.
0: You can't always be on top. You're not always going to be at a hundred percent. You're not always going to be on. You're going to break down eventually. You're you got to rest sometime.
1: I think you know to to tie some of this back to the the kind of eldritch horror. I think one of the the other things is that like. When you realize you're a tiny little dot in a massive universe, it's very hard to be like, well, I need to be strong enough to survive anything. Because it's like, well, the universe doesn't care. You are so insignificant on that scale that, like, it doesn't matter. To use a Lovecraftian monster, is, like, I think Azathoth is the one that is, like, supposedly dreaming. And if it ever wakes up, our entire reality stops existing. Is it like? thing doesn't even know you exist it doesn't yeah. care why would it matter yeah what, what's it gonna care if you go and see a therapist what's it gonna care if you went to somebody to get some help
0: well the sort of damocles always hanging over your head it could all end <sighs> at any moment which is just generally true anyways this is a dream you yeah. could die at any moment you, <laughs> you might as a thought might as well wake up yeah sure you get by a car you, you could accidentally eat a, a screw <laughs> like something bad could happen to you you you're not in control of whether or not bad things happen
1: i mean you know if we were to get really esoteric with it like we're all just brains in jars with inputs coming in via various bits and pieces and it's it's this brain in a jar just desperately trying to interpret all this input data to figure out what reality is and like you, you know you look at um you look at court cases where they've got witness testimonies or like any studies around human perception and there's some wacky as hell shortcuts our brains take to like determine what is and isn't real. And like, you know, (laughs) I think your brain is just making like
0: it's, it's processing like 30% of your actual vision live and the rest of it is kind of just making up. Because yeah. it's based on what it knows previously, what it assumes
1: should be there. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. But it also means that, like, you know, it's often very difficult for us to have very objective views on, on reality around us. But it's also kind of, I don't know, sort of spectacular to me. So it? like, It truly is your ideas making your reality. Yeah.
2: Because
0: you, what you think should be there will be there. Whether <laughs> or not it actually is on some level. I think we really want to believe we're completely rational, and that's like a lot of people. They they want to think that they're rational and they're living in a calm, grounded, rational world. And the moment something goes outside of that, their whole worldview just starts to crumble because yeah. what they thought was true wasn't true. I, and, and, and especially when come the, the the idea that I I could never be emotional. I couldn't ever hold on to a belief for a bad reason or or be in touch with something that you know something that was out of touch with reality. Like yeah it's that they can't even conceive of themselves as not being in control because they're so dependent on the idea of this rational control and grounding
1: well i think like you know in in that vein part of the reason that so many people are attached to i think a lot of religions and so forth at least as i see it is that like you know especially with christianity for instance it's this idea that humans are are god's chosen people like we're we're one step below god and in many cases the more racist versions of it have it being like specifically white white people and there is like there's a kind of hierarchical system in it what have you but it it all speaks to this idea that like if you do the right things you're chosen by god and and everything's gonna be okay and you don't have to worry about the fact that like reality might be a little malleable and um you're a tiny pinprick in a big universe like none of this stuff has to matter because well you've got a book that has all the answers so you don't even have to really think about it you don't
0: even have to read it either in the original conception right or maybe not original but the second conception of it the roman uh medieval conception of the priests, the pope they they deal with it i'm just a peasant and I'm going to heaven because I'm in the covenant with Christ yeah. and I live in community and, and you know, take sacrament every Sunday and I know my place in the great chain of being. I don't have to worry about anything other than getting stabbed and, you know, yeah. paying a tithe or whatever.
1: It's, you know, like that all reinforces those ideas of like, you know, we're the in-group, you're the out-group because you're not in communion with Christ. You're not one of God's chosen people because you haven't accepted him into your heart and etc etc. And like, you know, all of that has ties to colonialism in its own way. You see how the Bible was used to spread a lot of that kind of um narrative. Like, you know, you had people going to, to educate the savages, um, in all these different places, but they also used the fact that they were different as an excuse to to subjugate them. And it became like this sort of like tiered system within the church even um it's just i don't know like all of these systems end up reinforcing the these ideas that like you don't have to think and in fact thinking outside of the the bounds of this thing is bad actually
0: well they're they're trying to control the world the narrative the story of the universe they want to control that so that way they stay at the top of it as long as you're in control of your own story, you can control your place in the story, and naturally, they want to be at the top. Yeah. They want all the money to go to them. They want all the territory and the resources. And like they, they'll, they construct reality through th- how they define things in a self-serving way. Whoever is going to be the in-group that happens to get all the money, that's going to be defined by who I am, the person making the rules. And whoever it is that i don't like or is kind of a convenient person to target i can construct the reality to be like oh they suck and they're the ones that are the problem and everyone needs to focus on hating them and not pay attention to the fact that i'm actually in control of everything
1: yeah i mean well this is where we also see like grifters take over in in reinforcing these narratives because there's profit to be made there's there's power gains in various ways as you were saying, like for them to keep reinforcing that narrative and like finding new well, scapegoats.
0: Yeah, well, you, you reward people within, especially in like a free market type system, which, of course, the medieval period would, was not. But it's the same yeah. principle of you'll find people that want to curry your favor because they'll get money out of it. you will be no shortage of people willing to do that, willing to sell out their own kind, even yeah. uh, to make you know say what you want them to say so that you can construct your narrative and then uh, you know that's what we have now we have these two opposing well really three is of course many more don't want to be overly simplistic but these opposing viewpoints of like sort of conservative land of how reality works like covid isn't real and queer people are grooming your children for china yeah and the jews also um and then you know there's like this this sort of more centrist world the leftist world and different worlds people's viewpoint of how the you know universe works or whatever but like there are these like not it's not a shared reality it's these clashing like ideas about how the world works what yeah. is and is not real what i what news sources i will and will not believe
1: yep I, oh, it's often it, it feels sometimes hard to be like well i'm objectively a leftist um when you think about things in, in these sorts of like categories of of worlds and what have you but I think there's some some fairly straightforward rules that a lot of us tend to use being like consent being a pretty important aspect of of uh, being a leftist and just kind of like trying to logically think through these things whereas I find in a lot of cases with the, the sort of more conservative types it's either well the old way is the good way or the magic book told me so or the people who hold the information around the magic book told me so, or and in in this case, it's very often like, well, I don't, I think that everything should be like the the survival of the fittest, the strongest, um, and that's the way that the the system should work, and it, it's very much that survival of the strongest, not necessarily the fittest.
2: Oh yeah, well, we
0: were going on over about that, I think, in yeah, another episode. It's like fit doesn't mean best; is fit to yeah. circumstance. They think of it as survival of brute force.
2: Yeah.
1: And, like, I think, you know, a lot of times that underpins without necessarily going through some of the logic of why that might not be correct. It's just like they have made a a basic assumption, whereas it feels like for a lot of those of us outside of that system often, and, like, this is why so many queer people are on the left of things, because, like, in order to have had these realizations about ourselves we've had to, like, undo all of the thinking that society has programmed us we've had to look outside the bounds of the system at at what feels like you know it it feels like you're you just started to wake up and realize that you're in the tentacles of this massive creature and you start to like think things through again think things through under the perspective that like maybe this isn't actually the way things are maybe things are a little more different you start to like try and piece things together using logic and understanding of of like what matters to you what what's important to you and like i think for a lot of us what's important to us is happiness
0: well and you know so we've got the forbidden dark knowledge of that we're not supposed to have that is actually creating a false world yeah that uh is uh blocking us from the other forbidden dark knowledge that we're not supposed to have that will make us happy (laughs) um and and we have uh the creation of a reality that immiserates you know certain people as outcasts and and those outcasts finding their own way uh, through this, what is, else is it though that like in Eldritch Horror you think is like queer? What, you know, is it? The tentacles or like like what 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 is there? Are there any themes or like specific stories or
1: tropes that you feel also like are capturing this for you? Um, so I think like you know the the idea of of just so obviously there's there's all those like feeling like a fish out of water, feeling like you're in a system that's not designed for you. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like all of those things lead to the, the kind of persecution and the fact that we look sort of mad, we're treated as though we're insane or mad from this stuff. But it also feels like when you try and talk to people about these things, when you try and have conversations with those who don't understand, there's a kind of alienation there well we just spend a good portion of this podcast
0: talking about communism yeah (laughs) like how many people like they tune in they're like what are they what what the hell are they talking about like you end up going off about like weird stuff like nah, man gender's not binary man okay i know you learned about X X X Y, but it's actually more complicated than that and
2: yeah
1: like Like, we, we sound sort of insane even like on reflection of our own stuff we sound sort of insane to ourselves sometimes um but like there's Logical pieces as to how we got there. I think, like, you know, also the kind of recognition around in a lot of Eldritch things, it's more the fact that, like, a lot of the creatures that people encounter, a lot of the situations aren't necessarily evil or bad. They just exist outside of the confines of the system. They're, like, a creature that exists within this expanded universe. Sometimes they mean us ill. Sometimes we're insignificant. Sometimes we're just weird curiosities. And, like, that's what I kind of love about Eldritch Horror is, like, sometimes we're just... If we're not prey or um, something completely insignificant, then we're just, like, a weird curiosity that is intruded into this other world. And, like, sometimes it can feel a little bit like we're we're that in in society. And also, like, I think a lot of us are more open to, like... <laughs> I know a fair number of queer people that are super into, like, monsters and oh, m- monster yeah. fuckers.
0: Monster fucking. <laughs> they tried to queer code all the villains. Did not work out the way they thought
1: it would. Yeah, which, you know, is a fun kind of connection in my view. Like, you know, not to mention all the tentacles and stuff that often crops up in a lot of eldritch stuff. Well, it's like, it's learning to love the thing you're not supposed to love.
2: Yeah.
0: One, you're not supposed to love yourself. And queer people have to learn to love ourselves in a sitting that's extra hard you know, when like in a society that basically tells you not to love yourself. And you have to love yourself about this thing that's like no, that's evil. That's the bad thing. Don't be that thing. Anything but that. How are you going to love that?
1: I think, like, that's that's part of the beauty of it is It's like it's this exploration of of these things that are forbidden knowledge and you're not supposed to know and you end up finding happiness and joy and I, I don't know, an awareness of of all these things that just pieces together in a way that, like, brings me a lot of joy. It's brought me a lot of joy to see that. And to see people in various situations, under various conditions, with a lot more empathy and awareness, because, like, well, they're also sort of a fish out of water. They're also stuck in this system where they're labeled as monsters, but they aren't. They're just people.
0: Yeah, I, I think... Um... There's a lot of like love of of the unlovable. We like often love like the little broken things or little weird. So many trans girls are like spiders or weird snakes and animals yeah. that other people don't like. Like we 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 are able to see the love and beauty in something that others just you know on a surface level as they just engage with life on the mainstream kind of you know they don't examine anything deeper or think like you gross a bug yeah, i'm not supposed to like bugs cause i'm a girl like you know like this kind of like eating up the the, what, the slop you're fed the kool-aid of cis hetero mindset or whatever yeah. and like um we end up having to like we we love these things because we know what it feels like to not be loved as well right we learn to love the unlovable in ourselves and so we yeah. love other monsters around us um I'm mean, you know, I've been thinking just now I'm I've, I've been getting all these Magic the Gathering ads on Facebook everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're just pumping out Magic the Gathering sets like nuts. Like just, just like just every week there's a new set. And the new one they got is like it's Frixie. Okay, we going back to Frixie, everybody. And and there's like I'm noticing a lot of trans girls really into the the horrible mechanized death magic, the the unspeakable fate worse than death as described in the advertisements. The, yeah. the the binding of flesh and machine and you're you're like indoctrinated into this glory of serving this evil like horrifying nightmare realm <laughs> and like a lot of trans girls are into that and i was kind of seeing it i was like you know society already views you as a monster but here's this sort of great equalizing force that allows everyone to become a quote-unquote perfected version of themselves that is itself very monstrous yeah and it's like if everyone's a monster, no one's a monster. If everyone's perfect, then perfection
1: is whatever. well, I think you know on top of the fact that there's the the kind of like power dynamics that you are really attractive when you've been denied it for so much of your life, it's also um i I think like you know a lot of trans trans people are transhumanist in this idea of like augmenting and changing our body because it's you know. It is, for almost all of us, a path to being ourselves and expressing ourselves positively in ways that bring us joy and happiness. And the idea of, like, you know, grafting yourself to bits of metal to improve your body is kind of of cool. Like, well, I know a lot of trans girls who are like, I want a robot body now.
0: Well, Especially if you already, like, you experience the limits of what a meat body can give you, and it might not be satisfactory, and yeah. said meat body is already, like, demonized by society for being what it is, it's not that far of a step to be like, yeah, I'll change. Well, yeah, sure, I'll just change my body in other ways, and why not, right? Let's just go
1: for it. Lean into it. It's It, it can be... And I mean, this is the interesting thing. It can be incredibly freeing to just lean into some of the the kind of, I don't know, over the top stereotypes sometimes, even stereotypes that are made up about us. It's like, well, yeah, as you say, society already deems me a monster. So I'll, I'll own it. Yeah. And I'll own it in a way that feels positive to me.
0: It's like cis queers and, you know, some trans queers, too. And mostly it'll be cisqueers queers that really love the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. They really lean into, like, the freak. Oh, yeah, I'm a freak, man. Ooh, yeah, yeah. like they're, they're it's all, like, camp, and they're hamming it up and acting, and it's like, you know, for a lot of people, we have a complicated relationship with it. For others, though, it was really yeah. empowering, and it's like, no, I'm owning this freak status, and I'm going to have fun with it, and you can't call me a freak if I'm a certified freak seven days a week. Yeah.
1: Like, wear it on your sleeve, and they can't make fun of you for it. I think, like... <sighs> I mean I've seen so many people who and I even I try and like embrace aspects that I've held uh that have been held in contempt by society. Just like trying to live my best life by being more more obviously queer, being like, Okay, well you're gonna label me all sorts of nasty things, so I might as well own that label. Just roll with it. Like, yeah.
0: And we've already done like the scariest thing possible. We already had to admit to the scariest thing within ourselves. And we've already done like you know, in the case of, like, if you're a trans person who's had surgeries or wants surgeries, like, that's unthinkable. Like, having, like, your dick cut off and, like, flipped inside out is, yeah. like, that's pretty freaking extreme, Just right? little
1: dick origami.
0: Like, so some people, that would be unthinkable. Any cis man, that would be a nightmare. That's yeah. some cenobite shit to have done to you, right? <laughs> and to have, like, a trans woman, or, like, you know, you're you're a person who's thinking about coming out as trans, and these trans people are, like, no, it's cool being a Cenobite. Cut your face off. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. you, you're going to do the most unspeakable, unthinkable thing. Good is bad. Bad is good. You should cut your face off, actually, bro. Like, this whole through line of Eldritch Horror, this this, like, other realm, this crazy knowledge from beyond that makes you do unspeakable things and experience incredible ecstasy as a result not a surprise that a lot of trans queer people have this like we're already there we already live it
1: yep it's also like it's no surprise to me that a lot of trans people are super into all sorts of like pretty kinky stuff because it's like well we're already treated as sex objects in many ways we're already like treated like these pariahs around sexually related stuff and actually some of it's pretty fun and it's a great way to like work through so to swing back to like work through some trauma around stuff oh
0: yeah a lot of people use different any sort of kink thing to like it's even like to offset from some other painful sexual thing that they can't deal with like it's like it, it it's taking something that appears monstrous and using it to pull away genuinely terrible things within oneself that like you know you're trying to exercise because it haunts you and hurts you like it's some painful yeah. thing right like it's this incredibly powerful thing that beca- it's because it appears monstrous that it works so well it, it's all the baggage that our society brings with it allows it to draw out the 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 true
1: evil yeah i mean you know um an interesting example for me with with that whole thing is like Speaking of the like cycles of trauma and those who were traumatized sometimes relive that trauma or perpetrated it on others. Um, the BDSM scene is famous for being a place that a lot of people work through their trauma around sexual assaults, um, physical assaults, being caged or tied up or all these sorts of things where they've had traumatic experiences and they're using it to work it work through it in this incredible way that makes brings them a lot of joy and is safe and healthy and everyone involved is consenting adults like nobody needs to be harmed some people get into like weird like adult adult child dynamics where again it's adults doing it who can consent and they can be more in control of the situation so that they're not like Getting, getting it twisted into something that could hurt people.
0: And yeah, like my understanding with those people is they're trying to find love that they never got when they were younger. And so they sort of regress to an earlier stage and have an adult give them the love that they needed. Yeah. Like it's not about love on a child. It's no. love for the child inside us. And every person has a wounded child inside them that they need to heal in some way or another. Just look at action figure sales and anime and Marvel movies like... everything is everyone's speaking to their wounded inner child i think trauma is pretty universal i think yeah and so like for somebody to do that like hey you're consenting adults you're doing it and it helps you i believe you that it helps you
2: you yeah
1: i and i you know it's it's not my cup of tea but it is something that i've like spoken to one or two people who are really into it and it was like well it seems to be really helpful for you really healthy for you long as you approach it in a smart way which is often what they're doing their doing their damnedest to do it seems good and it brings them happiness joy and like peace from some of their inner demons like it's all via this sort of embracing of the 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 things that are supposed to be outside the realm of normal embracing the monsters
0: and it's in their control yeah, which is same as like a story. You tell a scary story. You read a scary story. You do a, a role playing game. You know, a uh, Call of uh, Cthulhu or or Arkham Horror. You know, yeah. these like a sort of um, uh, it's a scary game you're playing. To it's like you're in control of it, and you're acting through something terrifying. That like it's now safe. It's yeah. not something outside of your control that's coming after you and you can quell whatever fears that have been chasing you your whole life because you're in control of the fear now.
1: Yeah. I I think that is incredibly powerful for so many people and well worth pursuing. Like I yeah, I I have a huge love for a lot of those kinds of games and like often one of the the things that I often love about them is um is the fact that like when you encounter a lot of these monsters your best option, your only option, is many times to just sort of delay the inevitable. you're just kind of offsetting when the monster is gonna come back. yeah, you can seal it away or you can defeat it temporarily, but you haven't fixed the problem necessarily. You haven't solved the the big underlying issue, but you've made things better for now, unlike I don't know i I think that's another thing that like often resonates with a lot of queer people is like yeah we haven't solved the issues around like the fact that gender is such an oppressive force within our society yeah we haven't to go back to the communism thing we haven't solved the fact that like capitalism seems to be just eating people alive but for us and those around us, we've made things a little better. We've staved off the demon for a little bit longer. We've staved off whatever thing is trying to eat us for just a little bit longer.
0: It's a little light in the darkness. Yeah. And you can't have it unless you have to acknowledge the darkness, as I think otherwise you're just kind of sleepwalking again.
1: Yeah. You're just pretending that everything is fine. How
0: do you How do you feel okay when you know that everything is not okay? When you're not sleepwalking and you're li- you're out of the matrix and you're living in the real world and it sucks and the robots have wrecked everything and they're growing babies in fields and you gotta eat slop underground and wear cloth sacks <laughs> and go to raves, like you're doing that. How do you feel like you're shining light? How do you feel like there's still goodness? Well, you have to engage with the darkness and and find your place within it. Yeah. Find your place within the story of this darkness, the dark universe that doesn't care about you. Well. The universe doesn't care about me, but I'm in my a story that I live in, and I care about myself within that story and my friends who are in that story with me,
1: yeah, like you know the connections to to use that those movies as a as a great example, like the connections that they make are what make things so much more important to them, like and that's why, you know, I know the, the sequels get panned a lot, but like that sequence where they're fighting off all the things invading the city is is one where the people there are sacrificing themselves for the people around them. They're doing everything they can because they care about the people around them, because they care about the connections that they've made. All of that's important. Whereas when you're in the system, when you're part of that thing that is just eating you as fuel, none of it really matters in the same way none of it none of it feels like it changes anything like it's just you're a fuel cell <laughs>
2: You're yeah.
1: being eaten alive like
0: and i you know i think as an important point with within that of the this sort of maintaining worth like okay you're not in the fuel cell you're not in the matrix you're living in the world the real world and you're fighting the good fight Chances are you're not going to see the end of that fight. There's a very good chance you're going to be in it for the long haul. You're going to be seeing the darkness for the duration of your lifetime. You're never going to bring the Israelites to uh, uh, Jerusalem and the Holy Land. Israel. You're never going to see that. You're you're not going to make it there. Utopia is not for you. Um, And you have to keep the idea of it. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, is uh, I can't take credit for this idea. I heard that recently in um, the Matt Chrisman vlog, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, or it was on another podcast that Matt Chrisman was on. Um, but I thought that really struck a chord with me. Is like you can't, like you can't work towards a better world, assuming you're going to get to see that better world because you won't, and you're yeah. going to be disappointed when you don't, and you're going to stop working for it. You have to work for it as though you're never going to see it. You know, I this is reminding me of how when I first transitioned, I came out as trans and was you know, living as a woman and doing all the, the stuff I did for that. I was pretty convinced like my life was basically over. That I yeah. probably wasn't really going to have any friends anymore. I was going to lose everybody I cared about. Never going to have sex again. Everyone's going to treat me like garbage. I was ready for that. I was prepared to be a monster yeah. for the rest of my life. And then it turns out, Maybe yeah, sure. There are people that see you as a monster, but like, there's a lot of really cool monsters you can be friends with, and they're actually not that bad.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's it's not
0: what they told you it was.
1: Honestly, I have so many better friendships, so many better like experiences in my life since I've come out by being around other monsters. It, it's it's a beautiful thing to me to. To see that beauty in what society deems ugly and unwanted, and yeah, you know i I suspect I'm not going to see the the kind of utopia that i'm I'm hoping for in my lifetime, but I want like I want f- future generations to have that to have that beautiful utopia. I want to work towards that,
0: you know, so you have your little shining light that you keep
1: growing. Yeah. You keep building it up with
0: more people, more friends, more love.
1: And I think that is the most important aspect is that you don't have to be unhappy on your way there. You don't have to be unhappy to be part of that struggle. You don't have to give up on on happiness or joy. You just take some time in between things. Like work on being happy. Do what works for you. You you have
0: to find that balance of like your own personal world and well being and yeah. and working for your community and for the world uh it and it is very difficult of course like you know finding the right amount of selfish versus the right amount of altruism yeah and ultimately like i think in a functioning society and a good, truly healthy community those two things are not separate those Absolutely. two things are actually the same thing but we're not there
1: no we're not there and like making the making those choices can feel really hard but sometimes they are the same thing like finding happiness can also be part of like making an effort to stop and like making an effort to improve the world around you sometimes you do it just by like making the lives of the people around you better and they do the same for you in return like mm-hmm. that's socialism <laughs>
2: you oh. know
0: well, I mean, that's just it. So uh, we talked a whole lot about socialism and communism in this podcast that's about eldritch horror, but that is like the forbidden knowledge. That yeah. is the dark idea that I think a lot of queer people end up going to because of the system that doesn't serve them. The darkness that is, you know, encroached and controls the whole world now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to pretend like you know i i believe in some sort of perfect utopia under communism or something but like i think it's a it's a system that's based on mutually helping each other and caring about each other and i think that is like really important especially when you're part of a group that is pushed out by society that doesn't have society's aid even especially when that society is like built on exploiting people and making their lives worse
0: yeah like you know it's it's a matter of like we're never going to see whatever the future holds we're only going to live for our time on earth but in our time on earth maybe we want to move in a direction that's taking care of our people like we want to make sure that people are taken care of in the face of like climate change and automation and this massively evolving technology that we've got happening that like there's no guarantees under the current system that anyone's going to be taken care of. There's, there's no plan in place to stop climate change or, or even mitigate yeah. the effects for the people that are going to be completely wiped out by it, or let alone all the other people that are, whose lives are going to change. Like, we're not doing anything. And somebody needs to step up to the plate. Someone It doesn't seem like private corporations are doing that. They, don't, they seem just only to be trying to enrich themselves. Everything they do ends up being a trick yeah and it and so it's no wonder that so many people end up being like well let, let's give the the socialism a crack at it. all these countries that have what you would call a socialist uh, policy are doing pretty good actually they're doing a lot better yeah and so maybe we need to have more of that and less of this this whole let billionaires do whatever they want thing like well, it's not that surprising
1: i think it also speaks to like what is the goal of the different systems and like socialism's goal is making people's lives better It's for the people it's yeah. for
0: the community it's pe- and whereas capitalism serves an outside force another power a higher power money it serves the algorithm of whatever makes more profit makes more profit and continues to exist to make more profit yeah and it doesn't care about you or me it doesn't care about human flourishing that if it happens is a byproduct and capitalists will say oh yeah that's the byproduct and it's dependent on that no it's not We've repeatedly seen from history, it's not actually dependent upon whether or not it makes people's lives better. It's entirely just, does it make money? It may or may not make people's lives better. Maybe it makes their lives a whole lot worse, but you already made your money and then you got out. That is a success. That's a win in capitalism's book. And you could replicate that again and again, regardless of how many lives you
1: ruin. Yeah. I, you know, I think like just to sort of tie it all back again to that like forbidden knowledge and being the monster and like i think you know we just being even just being queer being aware of yourself and your surroundings is in its own way a, a strange kind of like fighting that system working on being more social working on like building a society like if you engage with Queer spaces and queer people in a way that like makes tries to make their lives better you're you're like actively working against those systems by dis by design because you're not part of that in group you're not part of the group that's building that thing up and so it's very easy for you to like look at these other systems and be like, well, these seem way better, why don't we just do this?
0: well the wild thing is other people are living in another story because of course there's that whole other group of people they're living in a story that queer people are actually part of the system we're being pushed by big tech we're being pushed by the deep state uh global homo to to indoctrinate children and push people into the brave you know the the, the new world order where everybody lives in a pot and eats bugs and is you know a drag queen or, or whatever like I'm not I'm not even joking. Like yeah. and like this is the view they live in. They live in another reality. They see the they we got to get the they live glasses on them or something cuz like they are not seeing things. They're seeing something wacky. And once more, they're convinced they've got the they live glasses and they're trying to make other people put them on.
1: Yeah. It's it's always funny seeing how how they ca- they so often like co-opt those Obviously, like anti capitalist, anti establishment messages as being somehow in support of their view.
0: Well, they live is a kid, particularly like uh, John Carpenter's gone out and said directly, like, no, it's about Ronald Reagan and capitalism. It's yeah. not about the Jews, <laughs> you racists. Like, <laughs>
1: how do you look at that and see it's think it's about the Jew? like oh well it's a, a secret cabal of evil
0: monsters that are destroying the world and controlling the media yeah like that's and again you know like they co-op these things to make it it's the immune system it's osmosis jones kanye west yeah it's like well no actually you shouldn't criticize billionaires it's not that they're rich it's that there's jews controlling everything as you notice how a lot of those bankers are jewish Notice how a lot of you peasants owe money to Jews. Yeah. Like, it's it's just, you're going to hijack any conversation about wealth inequality and, and turn it into anti-Semitism. And that means either... A bunch of people are going to go over to being Nazis and you're now having a Nazi conversation. Or liberals go, how dare you criticize those nice billionaires? You're being anti-Semitic. You're saying that it's the Jew. they talking about global elites. That means you're talking about Jews. They're like, no, I was trying to talk about wealth inequality under capitalism. Jew isn't, Jewishness <laughs> has nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but then you add the other layer to that where the, 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 the people who say it is about the Jews, they'll be like, oh no, though we like the real Jews, though. We like the religious Jews. We like Ben Shapiro Jews and Israeli uh, settler Jews. We don't like those bad Jews. The, yeah. the, the irreligious Jews. The cultural Jews in Hollywood and New York City that are indoctrinating your children into being gay communists. We don't like those ones. They're the ones that control the media. Like yeah. They have all these layers to their stories, this response and like... They try to work things in because they need to recruit the Israel lobby. So how do we recruit the Israel lobby? Well, we can't be completely anti-Semitic because, uh, yeah. right?
1: Like So it's got to be the the secret bad Jews that aren't doing the apartheid. It's the other ones. And
0: then you'll even have, like, people like Ben Shapiro say stuff like that. They're, they probably would be okay with there being a pogrom against Jews that he didn't like, allegedly. You know, I'm not going to make any accusations about any particular person, but, like, these this type of person this conservative mindset it's about that first they serve that first and then any other loyalty they claim to have is outside to that they'd be okay with seeing their fellow jews be rounded up or a lot of you know these queers that'll say things they're conservative queers you're blair whites of the world and what have you yeah. they'd be okay with trans people being rounded up if you know they were the wrong kind of trans people that they didn't approve of
1: oh what's that uh that one gay pundit um he's had like Ben Shapiro and so many other people on his
0: show. Oh, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's, he's terrible. He's a goofus.
1: Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin, yeah, and he's just like, allegedly. <laughs> seeing some of the the interviews he's had with some of these far right people, where he's just that heel must taste.
2: Oh, Real way, he's good
1: he's like for some reason.
0: Bending over backwards, just trying to be like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be allowed to have a kid. Yeah, maybe, yeah. like, oh, you wouldn't go to my wedding, huh? Okay, uh,
1: like, <laughs> just like letting these people treat him like absolute trash. Being like, yeah, we think you're subhuman. He's like, yeah, that's that's reasonable, I guess. And I they, like, dude, no, dude have a little
0: self-respect. Well, he gets to have a talk show. Yeah, and he gets to have a lot of money. He gets to build a big compound in Texas or whatever. Like, you just, yeah, if you work for the Day Live aliens, you'll get paid very well. You're just going to have to eat some boot. That's all. Yeah, you
1: just you subsist on a diet consisting mostly of boot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> Gotta love that leather taste, I guess. Well, uh, I mean,
0: I feel like we've treaded all over the territory of like what is and is not like
1: uh eldritch horror like i don't know they live
0: probably doesn't actually qualify as that maybe do you think well, it does I, you think it does I would
1: say it it pretty squarely counts as that kind of thing because it's like unknowable oh, aliens okay. that have come to control the planet that you can't see without like this special technology so it's not exactly horror but maybe what
0: about we talked about the matrix you think matrix is eldritch horror absolutely
1: like Um, even though the the horror is built on something that like humans ostensibly created at some point in the canon of the the world like people don't really understand how the machines work they have a vague idea but they are this omnipresent thing that like got created and took control well before they were pulled out of the system
0: they've got this completely alien design they got all the tentacles of course they have to point out the obvious they got all these spider eyes or these weird things that like humans did not conceive of these ideas these yeah. are machine derived ideas and like
1: you know in order to see the reality around you to, to to like understand it you have to wake up you have to take a pill everything you know is wrong awareness. yeah good is bad up is down in order to have any kind of control or power within that system they have to like yeah, remove themselves from it to some degree and open their eyes to all of that stuff. Like, I'd say it's a pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: okay, okay.
1: Uh, Hellraiser. So I haven't even watched the Hellraiser oh. series. It's on my list of things to watch, but everything I know about it seems extremely.
0: Watch the first two, and then I, I hear good things about the Jamie Clayton one. I actually haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard some good things about it as well. So I'm, like, yeah, that... but, but but don't don't.
0: Watch the others. That's like fair. three I've, heard to that too. nine or whatever it is, just don't bother. They're not. You'll just you'll just be disappointed. You'll be progressively more and more disappointed, <laughs> and then the transphobia starts. Oh no! Of course, it's, there's it not does. a lot of it, but it's there. It's just, and then it just ends with such a. Uh, it's just so weak. It was like not even a Hellraiser movie that they decided to make Hellraiser, and Doug Bradley, I think that's his name, right? The pinhead actor. He was not even in it. like he's not even the main bad guy like don't bother first two they're great and that second one the second one really does bring in i think more of this eldritch unknowable horror there's like the sort of otherworldly unknowable evil deity yeah did you ever see the
1: void that sounds familiar but i don't know watch hellraiser first maybe and then watch the void I'm going to okay. say it's a very different movie,
0: but there's a lot of similarities. It's really great practical effects, I believe. It is a Canadian thing. I think it might have even been made by the guy who made Psycho Goreman. Oh,
1: wow. Did you, did okay. you see Psycho Goreman? Uh I didn't, but I've seen little bits of it. you got to see Psycho Goreman.
0: <laughs> Psycho Goreman is not eldritch horror. It's horrific. It's it's kind of, the, it's a comedy. It's too funny to be, but like, yeah. I it think like it's... horror it, comedy. Kinda, it's goopy. There's lots of like gross practical effects. It's it's awesome. I wreck I love Psycho Gorman. Yeah, He also made Manborg. Manborg. Wild. Manborg's same vein. It it probably would qualify as some kind of horror, but it's so goofy and wild and wacky. Check out Manborg, Psycho Goreman, and the Void. Uh, all three of them.
1: Okay. Yeah, those are, are like at least at least two of those have been on my list for a while, and I will add the, the third. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think, like, obviously the ones that we've covered, but there's, there's so many things that have just, like, even just a hint of, of eldritch horror to them. I think a lot of narratives that deal with, like, the unknown and the, the things that we can't necessarily compre- comprehend are, it's everywhere. Like, it's had effects throughout things. And, like, you know, it's unfortunate to hear there's transphobia that appears in the, um, in the later hellraiser series oh yeah it was his name with dad
0: doug or not uh what's his name who wrote hellbound heart uh who's the author who did that um mm-hmm. i'm blanking mm-hmm. on his name i i'm just so bad with names like i know it it's you know,
1: Same. I struggle with names whatever all
0: the time. um that guy he's a big queer mo he's he, how could he not be he wrote the bdsm torture horror story like he he's that yeah. was that's what it's about like yeah. so he he's not about that Yeah, no, I mean, I guess Did you ever see Nightbreed? No. Nightbreed was written by him also, and I might have been directed by him too. I'm blanking on whether or not. Nightbreed is so gay. Nightbreed's the gayest horror story, and it's like, it's about a guy becoming like a weird gay vampire, but he's not a vampire, and he's like this somewhere in alberta somewhere out in you know buttfuck middle of nowhere alberta there's a secret monster city underground where you can go be a gay monster if you transition
1: that sounds (laughs) and then rednecks are
0: gonna come and shoot it though
1: like it's the gayest that's that's a eerily eerily real (laughs)
2: Like oh I know wow. right
1: yeah that uh, thing just
0: especially like the location it's like some like there's a lot of like biker bar kind of vibe a lot of like redneck yeah. country bar stuff going on like oh man oh to be some some poor um you know little queer boy out in you know freaking Calgary I know like Calgary in the eighties Calgary oh. in the sixties like whenever
1: he would have grown up oh that's brutal yeah like uh, talk about alienation
0: yeah. I can't even, you know, not, I don't know if we can really even comprehend that level as we, I don't know about you, but I grew up somewhere way less desolate, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I, I I grew up in a fairly populous area and like a fairly populous town with some very progressive views overall, like it, as weird as that sounds, given it was South Africa and the extreme racism, but like, weirdly enough, pretty good on the, the homophobia and transphobia. It's like talk top five places for queer people to visit i know a lot of queers from south africa yeah
0: and and you know also like i think again like being queer being a monster has a way of making us befriend other monsters so we tend to become intersectional not always not a guarantee you got yeah. your dave rubens you got your quizlings but yeah. like there's you know i more likely you're going to be like seeing common cause with other struggles and be like hey the way they treat the the black workers here is kind of not good. Yeah. You know, like it, it changes your viewpoint. You're not seeing things the same way. Even if you don't realize it, right? You're not your egg hasn't cracked. You're not out. You don't understand who you are. You're still seeing things a little differently.
1: I mean, that was that was a lot of my journey. At one point I used to think like at one point I was a staunch capitalist that um like didn't realize any of the stuff. Like I oh, uh, i'm glad to think that i i didn't hold particularly many racist viewpoints because most of them sounded pretty awful but you know that doesn't mean that there weren't still some in there oh, wait, it's taking it, time to like get ingrained in us but i think it helped being queer under those circumstances even before i realized it you know i always wanted to that was that was that was the weird thing I always wanted to be around queer people. Most of my friends friendship circle was gay. Like, there were so many signs for me that in hindsight are just like, yeah, it's, it's no surprise that I turned out to be trans.
0: Well, I, I mean, like, it's no surprise you turned out to be trans because I feel kind of the same way. But everybody assumed I was gay growing up. But the thing is, they weren't talking about trans stuff. So when you talk about gay stuff to a trans person, often it doesn't help. It's like, I know a lot of trans people do live their lives as, you know, they come out as gay and live that way and then transition. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't. And I, for me, and I think others I've talked to, it's like, I am i don't, what you're describing isn't interesting. I'm not interested in a guy, you know, dick on dick. Not, yeah. not interested in what the you, know, you describe as gay. So I guess I'm just miserable. And I'll just live secretly miserable because I can't, I don't have the language to describe the feelings that I'm having,
1: which seem forbidden to me,
0: even though I live in a very gay positive environment.
1: I was, I was relatively lucky in that, like, a lot of people didn't really question my sexuality all that much. Um, But because I had a lot of gay friends, it was just like, it was, I don't know, it was really, it was... Nice in some ways, but also very confusing because it it felt like I was just a really good ally, if that makes sense. And I always just liked hanging around queer people, but I didn't have the words to understand that the kind of queer that I was wasn't the same as a lot of the people in my friendship circle. Um, Yeah, weird sort of history, but yeah.
2: well
0: it wouldn't go for a while we, we've we yeah. of riffs on and off about just all sorts of different things is there anything left that you wanted to say you didn't get to any final thoughts on Eldritch Horror and the queer experience
1: i think we've covered the vast majority of it i'm sure i'll have thoughts later but right now it seems pretty uh yeah oh actually that was the one thing oh um just the prevalence of queer people in horror. And like we brought it up very briefly earlier, but just like the, the Clive, fact that Barker. I, Clive Barker. Clive Barker, yeah. That was the name. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like how often like the queer coding of villains and um just queerness in horror films is like a constant. Oh Freddy Two. Yeah. Like there's so much of that kind of stuff. So it's also like it I think it aids in that viewing of horror as being something that is almost intrinsically queer and also like seeing connections with the monsters and not seeing them as necessarily being as awful because sometimes the worst thing they've done um is is be queer yeah or look different say yeah
0: yeah like the worst thing you've done is be different in a completely innocuous way and then people demonize you, and you end up lashing out. Yeah, which they then use as further reason to demonize you, and perhaps you yourself uh, use as a way to internalize your own monstrousness, mons mon- monstrousness, monstrosity. I think monstrosity, but your yeah. your own monstronium. <laughs> you internalize it, and you believe it.
1: Yeah, like it's. I think it's very hard sometimes to like pull away from that, but you know it's no wonder when you have society going like oh look at all the queer people they're they're the villains like you know it's hard to pull away from that and see yourself as something other than something as positive yeah
0: well uh i don't know i guess I, i'm i'm here with that i I think eldritch horror is a okay <laughs> i i, I you know i've written a bit of horror myself i i like horror movies and um yeah i totally get it i i it puts me in a position where I can like express this sense of alienation without feeling too weird about it. Yeah. You can use another thing. Something's greater than yourself. Something more extreme than anything you've ever experienced. If you're feeling alienation, you can create a story of even more extreme alienation. And it kind of helps you to express those feelings as well as put your own feelings in perspective and not get so caught up in them anymore.
1: Yeah. I I think like, having written just a teensy bit of of my own kind of eldritch horror that ability to express those feelings is really powerful so Mm -hmm.
0: well uh i think i guess that basically wraps it up that covers it yeah yo oh like and subscribe follow all that stuff you know the deal you know whatever right
1: yeah right Uh, well see you soon (laughs) see ya